0: All right, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you're listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. Uh, We're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 & Truce in Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have Suzanne Hogan. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you.
0: Um, But yeah, if anyone is unaware, you sing and play bass in Nature Boys? um a kansas city punk rock band has been around a decent handful of years now 2009 2009 i know crazy i just
1: had i did check and i was like oh damn it is like 10 years
0: did did your own research i did
1: kind of because i was i thought you would ask about things like Mm. that and i didn't want to be like
0: oh yeah (laughs) because i i found like i think your first release was like in 2010 or 11 but
1: yeah we came up with a tape then and then later on turned that into our first lp Mm.
0: Uh, and I know you guys showed up on the that replay Cheap Beer comp kind of early, too. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, we so. did that, too.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, how did everyone in the band first meet, and how did you guys kind of get started?
1: Well, Danny and our first drummer, Aaron, um, knew each other for a really long time. Uh, they grew up skating in Wisconsin area. That's where they're, they were both from, um, and, like, going to shows and stuff in Wisconsin. So... Later, they moved, I mean, not together, but um, Danny moved to Kansas City, Aaron moved to Kansas City, kept in touch, we're still friends, um, and they played baseball, among many things doing together. There was like a baseball pickup thing um, that would happen, and I also played, because I love baseball, and that was kind of how I first met them and got to know, I guess I got to know Aaron better first, but after a while... um, they had been playing together as uh, San Juevos was one of the names. It was just guitar and drums. They used to play at this venue called Tiny Town in the East Bottoms where Danny had lived. Um, and then they were like, we really want to bring in a bass player or a moog. Really, ri- originally they wanted a synth player. And they were like, you're cool. Do you want to maybe play, hang out with us? <laughs> and I was like, I think I said maybe was my first answer. But then, you know... It was like yes and we had our first practice where i was originally playing the synth on the first the first few practices mm. and just kind of came together and eventually the bass came along and
0: hey, yeah. had you been, like been experienced with the synth before or yeah
1: i grew yeah. up playing piano okay. um so i've been playing piano since i was like maybe five or six so i was more familiar with synthesizers or with pianos but didn't know anything i think i had a Moog that uh, Mike Tooley was letting me borrow. I didn't know anything about how to use it. And so I think our first practices were kind of lame where I was just, like, pushing buttons and not knowing what I was doing. And then I'd, ha- I'd been given bass guitars from friends and, like, wanted to play bass for a while because I kind of know how to play guitar. And after a while, I was like, I really want to learn the bass. And so Danny and I worked a lot on figuring that out. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, you should let me know if there's ever more uh rock and roll pickup baseball going on. I would love to take part in You don't in know.
1: That. You don't no, know. No,
0: I I know I've I've known Lawrence has their their kickball league for all their Well, the emo Kansas guys, City
1: Quitters, Kansas City's baseball team of losers and misfits, uh we that's like a newer group of people who've been getting together and oh. playing ball on Sundays, and it's mostly about getting drunk, but it is about like trying to have good plays and like, I don't know. I mean, it's basically, you're not going to get like shittily coached by someone if you mess up, Mm. but everyone is trying to do their personal best, you know, like, because it's baseball, it's hardball, it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of potential... Mm. things that could no
0: yeah I, you see you see people do like softball leagues too and like that doesn't have quite the same charm to me i don't know
1: softball's fun it is a yeah. different game you know hardball though it's mm. i i prefer what, baseball what position mm. do
0: you end up playing
1: i'm kind of utility player mm. um but i sometimes play second even though i'm left-handed which doesn't make sense but um outfield i don't know mm. i'd kind of do whatever they need but
0: I'd probably kind of feel bad about myself though, because I I pitched until like my the end of my uh, middle school baseball career, and I, I that was just at the point where like uh, <laughs> the boys were turning into men and you know becoming like a foot taller than me and probably pitching like faster than like sixty miles per hour, <laughs> and I'm like oh yeah I got out at a good time. Um, but you still
1: <laughs> probably remember, like, a lot of the things. Like, no, you know, yeah. But
0: I, prob- I, but I probably couldn't pitch to, like, adults and strike getting one out. But, yeah, I, I mean, I did a little second base short stop, so, you know, maybe yeah. I can get in on that. You but.
1: probably got some moves. <laughs> Join the quitters. I'm
0: I'm excited. Um, No, yeah, and you mentioned um, some of the members are originally from Wisconsin. Um, and I guess, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't it at all, but... Um, I don't know, like, the, the band has, like, kind of a certain, like, kind of rock and roll, like, almost, like, uh, like cowpunk is a dumb term, but, like, kind of a, like a, that kind of loose kind of rock and roll feel to it at some times. Do you think that it all comes from those Wisconsin days? Um,
1: I don't know if that so much. It's probably more Danny's influences and stuff. I mean, Danny's a big blues and rock and roll mm. guy. I mean... Uh, who has interest in a lot of different types of music? But um, I mean, he was in a lot of bands before Nature Boys too, where he was doing um, not necessarily like yeah. When you put genres like cowpunk, like that term, yeah. it's like what does that mean? Yeah. but love we'll social distortion. Oh, okay. No, yeah, I don't know. I think we all kind of came come to it from a lot of different backgrounds, and um, everyone's just kind of. Being themselves when they're playing too i mean our original drummer aaron had never drummed before in a band you know like i had never played bass in a band so we kind of were just like well let's try to write some songs together danny like you know had been in bands as you know guitar player and other projects and he I, he brought brings a lot of ideas and like writes so much of our stuff but i think not trying we've never tried to sound like anything we've just been being ourselves so if that's what maybe some people consider cowpunk, i don't know but i don't know if it has much to do with Mm. wisconsin necessarily
0: did did you pick up bass like just for the band or had you also been doing a little of that before
1: um yeah i picked up bass i learned how to play bass in nature boys Mm. i had played guitar in high school um but it was more classical guitar. You know, I was trying to just learn another instrument. Um, So I played a little bit doing like recitals and stuff like that, but not in bands necessarily. So, I mean, I was familiar with the instrument, but had never played. Mm.
0: And you kind of mentioned that, you know, you guys are just like playing how you want to play playing, like whatever kind of comes to mind when you're writing and stuff. But, I think there is something, like, to appreciate about that kind of band, you know, because there, there is the band that is, like, four people that are all, like, we will play this sound based on this 80s hardcore EP uh, from this band that's halfway across the country, and, you know, like, so a lot of those bands are great, and they do cool stuff, but, like, there, there is, you know, just as you can appreciate some somebody, like, aiming for a very specific sound, like, there, I think there's something to appreciate about a band that does very much just kind of lead its own path in that sense. and like I,
1: It keeps the genre interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking people that do the other, yeah. because I love a lot of that stuff too, but I think it just kind of keeps things moving forward and interesting and makes going to live shows more dynamic and interesting and also just, I wouldn't, be as excited about being something that was just trying to sound like something else. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Oh yeah. And I think because maybe because of that, maybe, maybe not, maybe it's just kind of coincidence, but like, like from my understanding, like it doesn't really seem like nature boys has like kind of like a sister band, you know, that like you're always playing with or like a very super like tight knit like scene that you're like kind of catering to and i don't know like you're you're just kind of like the only band playing this kind of sound in Kansas City and
1: definitely in Kansas City i think hmm. there's been different phases of times when we've had I don't, the word sister bands i kind of i kind of like that but yeah you're right like i mean there is a scene that i think we fit into and like are part of that's pretty strong When we go on tour and, like, you know, as when you go on tour more and then other bands come on tour and you host them in your city, you establish these really, like, deep connections and that's the scene, right, you know? No, yeah. Um, But as far as, like, the way we sound, maybe not so much, but I definitely know we have, like, band friends (laughs) in other places. And, like, yeah, because...
0: Yeah, you you guys have played, like, with Vile Bodies, like, more than once, and, like...
1: And that's more recent stuff, but when you look back, even, like, when we first started, I mean, I guess Street Legal would have been a band that we played with a lot. Hmm. Um, uh, Frozen Teens, a band from Minneapolis, we went on tour with them. This band, Hello Shitty People, we also went on tour with. Um, you know, even Nervosas, we have set up a lot of shows for them. They've hosted us a bunch, and we've done a lot of, like, keeping in touch. I mean, so... Yeah, I, I think maybe more recently there aren't I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but um a lot of people are in, in new projects now too. A lot of bands don't stick around for a really long time either unfortunately. Um but I don't know, maybe I'm not answering the question. No, was, <laughs> we got we got sisters.
0: <laughs> oh no, yeah, and uh, no yeah, n- and Nervosas are great. I remember like hearing them super early on when I was listening to like uh kcdiy radio and all that i know they got a lot of play on there oh no, yeah and um i know you guys have like played with a couple bands from greece like one really recently but also like a few years back was that like same members in those bands or
1: oh the band well i know you? so dirty wombs more recently came through band from greece i mean so we toured we went to greece yeah um as part of our second european tour which i'm trying to remember i think that was maybe three or four years ago and um made a lot of amazing friends and connections and it was one of the best parts of any tour that we've been on just because it was so incredible meeting the people and learning about everything that all the squat scenes that are happening there and the um different movements and things that are happening but um yeah, uh, as far as another Greek band that I can't, I feel like I would remember that because that's pretty like, okay. <laughs> but definitely Dirty Wombs, our friend um, Dinos uh, had interviewed us for a zine when we were over in Patras, Greece, and then his band came over, Dirty Wombs, who are like awesome, melt your face. Were you at that show? No, I wasn't, but I, I, Ooh, I was I was, I should have been there. You should have been there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no yeah i want to get back to like the european tour and everything in a sec but before um i i guess i did want to ask like did did you kind of get into kansas city punk shows through being in nature boys or had you kind of been at a lot of shows before then
1: yeah so i mean i'm from kansas city um i grew up here and started going to shows and being involved in stuff like i want to say like as early as 14, 15, um, mostly getting involved with and meeting people through different, like, activist organizations around the city. Like, there was, if you not bombs, and, um, I mean, this was, like, 99, 2000s. There was, like, a lot of solidarity and anti-globalization stuff happening now. There's a lot of, like, things happening. And so I met a lot of people who I wasn't necessarily going to high school with or, who I knew before who were like, Hey, you should go to the show. You should do this thing as well. So like going to pirate house and Lawrence and there's like a whole DIY scene of like my high school time that I was a part of and have continued, I feel like to be a part of, but yeah, so mm-hmm. it it runs deep, but, um, nature boys is like the first, well, no, I've, I mean, I've, I played, I did vocals in Dick Cheney's Dick for a while. Um, kinda of later on they were established as a band before and then I jumped in and went on a tour with them with Crapcore and then after college when I moved back to Kansas City so I don't know what year that would have been, maybe like two thousand six, seven. But I started doing stuff with like Ad Astra Orchestra, so that was like not you know, it was fun and a large group of people and then Nature Boys.
0: Oh yeah, That's that Ad Astra L P is like still really crazy to listen to like a- can't think of anything similar to that that has happened in kansas city since or before so
1: yeah it was a really fun cool project because it was so many different collaborators and but mike tooley who you know i'd grown up going to short bus kids show which is the punk band he was in when i was in high school like you like look up to people i think when you're younger and you're like oh my god that band and that person then as you get older and you're like oh Just person, and you want me to play music with you? Holy shit! Like, so that was really cool to get to come back to Kansas City and be a part of that. And so, yeah, that all kind of happened, and then Nature Boys happened.
0: Hmm. What, what were like you mentioned Short Bus Kids, but like, what were some of like kind of the big bands you were like seeing all the time at like Kansas City shows when you were first kind of getting into it? Short
1: Bus Kids was the the best. Um, Tankeray, the Controlled. What else? Those are the ones that I remember the most. Oh, When Good Robots Go Bad. Uh, I don't know. It was a long time ago. But, yeah, really awesome memories of that time, too. Like, and the different house shows and places we were having DIY things going on. I mean, there was, like, The Next Space and then Abdiana 2, which was, like, this, which is, like, now in the crossroads. But it was, like, this dusty, shitty old dilapidated building and then... The Pirate House in Lawrence, which we would like. It was just an awesome house show venue. It was just wild there. Yeah. There's a lot of different houses and things, in different waves of things. Like you know how it goes, something stops having shows and then another place starts having shows and El Torreon, you know, that's where you'd go for like bigger stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, and so I I was on the Nature Boys website when I was preparing for this and I, I love website just because like not a ton of (laughs) bands have even something like that in 2019
1: (laughs) it's funny because i feel like we're so like i don't know the internet you're at this age of like what are we how should we have our music out there how should we we just put out lps originally because that's what we wanted to do but Mm. then it's like oh yeah it needs to be streaming or if you don't have a facebook of profile how are you gonna book shows we made a facebook you know what i mean like hmm. i just feel like we're, we're always kind of like the fact that you think having a website is like out of touch is kind of oh, no it's not out of touch <laughs> it's just
0: kind of uncommon oh and yeah it's, it, it, and it's helpful for me and you know anyone who is really kind of interested in is it all uncommon that. well yeah none none of like the the super like diy bands have them right now like none of like the like, warm bodies, doesn't it? Like, the Nightcrawlers guys don't, so... Yeah, don't
1: it kind of got to a point where it was just, like, it got easier for booking. I mean, I think maybe it was even before... I mean, we heard about Bandcamp and SoundCloud. It did that stuff, but it kind of wasn't, like, as big as it is now when we were, like, trying to book some tours at... You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. in the past 10 years, things... You forget that, like, how quickly things have moved forward. So I think we had had a guy... Um, who had played on the baseball team to offer to like host us, but then he moved away, and we were like, "Oh, we should keep this, if anything, because it's a cool archive of like what we've done, and also it's just if you're not on Facebook or whatever, like you can contact us or whatever."
0: Oh yeah, because what I what I think I like most about the site is that it has like almost all of the shows you've played since like 2012, maybe, on there, and it's like. Hundreds? Would you say hundreds? Like oh yeah, definitely. At least one or two hundred.
1: Yeah, it's, that's probably the coolest thing about the site too—that mm-hmm. it's just turned into this de facto like, yeah, archive of all the places we've played. And like I said, it helps when you're booking to place like you're put, putting it a feeler out there somewhere. Like, hey, do you want to set up a show for us? And they can see like, oh, they've played with similar bands that have come through here before, or they see like, oh, we know that squat there. Yeah, sure. You know, it just kind of helps people get a sense of like if they know nothing about you, or maybe even if I don't know. Yeah, it just kind of helps. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah and so you were talking about you did um, a you've done two, two European tours, three, three. Okay, no, yeah, and one of them was like two months long. Yeah. Yeah, it was like in an <laughs> April and a May, I think, or a month more March the April. more
1: recent one. Hmm.
0: So yeah, like two thousand sixteen or seventeen. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think it was seventeen. Mm. I don't know. I wrote. I did write it down, but I didn't bring my notebook up oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> but it was. It was recently. Yeah. We when we go, we like to go for a long time. Um, yeah. Just in general, even with uh, U.S. tours. No. Mm. Oh, yeah.
0: And I guess you all. You're kind of talking about that earlier. Earlier, you all really do like individually, even like traveling a lot. So I guess that kind of comes in handy when you want to. Take it's a, band. it's
1: a great way to travel and also more and more it's turning into an opportunity to get to like see friends from the scene who like yeah it's it's a way to stay in touch in a way that it's i don't know it makes you feel like oh this community like we're doing something and these friends you make friends that you'll have like for forever you know based off of just some nights of rock and roll <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, what was the first time you guys went to europe
1: the first time, um, shoot, uh, I'm trying to remember when that would have been. Mm. Was that like five or six years ago? And, I mean, and Danny booked that, like, we did that all ourselves. We don't go through like a, we had put some feelers out for a friend, our friend Jersey Mike, um, who lives in Berlin. And we got that name from, I guess we weren't even friends with him yet, but whatever, um, just asking other bands, like, how do you do it? And basically reaching out to this guy and then emailing that guy. And it just kind of, I think Danny, like, email harassed a ton of venues across Europe. Most, You know, mostly squats and people, but really anyone. Mm-hmm. And then um, we got it set up. We went. It was really wild and really fun. One of our drivers uh, was one of the drummers in Fleas and Lies. Uh, but I guess there were a lot of drummers for that band, but whatever. You, it, there were a bunch of, like, Fun guys, we had a good time, but definitely um, on that trip, met the people who would go on to be the ones who would be our main contacts for the next ones. So, like, people that, like, would be like, hey, if you, like, when you come back, hit me up because we want to take you all around France. Or our friend Lecky was like, do you want to see more of the Balkans? And we were like, yes. So the second time we came around, we hit up those people, and that's how we were able to... um, go for such long extensive tours and then on the third time again we did it with those same people Mm.
0: oh yeah i imagine the first one does have to be like the hardest and you know you know 90 percent of bands never make it that far so to to go on subsequent tours is really kind of exciting i'm sure and
1: keeping it in that diy vein you know we're not doing the big club thing not going through big promoters it's like just people similar to the scene here you know people just doing it squats organizing talking about things say if they want to do it, and then they host. They host the fuck out of you. It's like it's like what, it's, which is great. You're like wow. So um, yeah, it's a very positive experience going abroad, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't want to make you just sit here and try to think for too long, but uh, <laughs> okay. like,
1: thank you. I really oh, appreciate that. <laughs> that. That's a, that's a funny <laughs> thing to
0: say. Um, but like, are, do you have any just like off the top of your head, like really crazy Europe? stories that pop out at you or has it all been tame enough
1: um i mean it's all crazy if you think about just like the amount of kind of culture shock like every night you're in a different place around a whole different group of people lots of times there you don't know what anyone's saying and you just have to be really open and down and flexible you know um also yeah, I think mostly it's just keeping up the energy of having to be on all the time. Because sometimes you're tired or whatever, but it's really like your only night to be there and people have really gone out of their way to host you or come to the show. And so you're like... Uh, but I think that did not answer your question. But oh, yeah, that's- uh, I think the most... Experiencing some of the borders has been like... I'm not really talking about shows, but just about like going across... Going over there and just having your shit together and seeing the border crossing situation can be difficult. Like when we were going to Greece, um, we had to go through Macedonia at a time when there was some interesting, difficult border things happening and just being like, whoa, like, you know, seeing that from that perspective and um, trying to think though, as far as like crazy shows, I mean, and God, in Greece, like we played in a parking lot, or I guess it was like an abandoned school parking lot and kids, people came from all around the surrounding area to this show and I think had a great time, you know, like, it, but it was just like the scope of it was just like, whoa, so many people came out and they really like to throw beer cans to show that they're like really enjoying it. So they were throwing lots of beer cans. That was just like a really cool, I think all of Greece was just really cool in that way to see... Um, yeah, how into it people get, and it's, I don't
0: know. Oh, yeah, I loved having Olivia from Warm Bodies on, because they did Europe, like, last year, and, yeah, just, like, she like she did mention, like, you know, yeah, it's, it's really fun when you go to, like, basically a village, and, like, every, like, 20 or 30-something-year-old is, like, at the show and, like, going crazy, and...
1: Yeah, because I, I guess, yeah, that gets at what I was... Getting at because I mean mm. so when, until I think recently a lot more people have been booking in Greece but even when we had gone people were like man thank you for coming all none of the bands come down this far because it's really hard to get down here and mm. it's hard to have like the paperwork and blah 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 and it's just it's so much further down there that it's hard to like pull it off so it's just like this like yes yeah like it's a little more appreciative than like
0: maybe when you play like London or Paris or whatever like that gets every other band that tours europe
1: yeah for sure so yeah it's cool to to see that and do that and make friends similarly like you do when you tour the u.s where you just hang out for one night but like really connect with people even with language barriers and just like make lasting connections because that's been yeah that's we've been really fortunate that that's been our experience Mm
0: -hmm. oh yeah and so you mentioned you guys have been around almost 10 years now as a band and i guess i was kind of curious just like i'm i'm sure it's not something you may even put a ton of thought into but like what what do you think has kept you guys together for so long
1: um well i think we are all doing this cuz we like have to do it you know like and that maybe that sounds cheesy or something but like i think maybe it's easy to take things for granted or um if i like if i don't play rock and roll music i just like what the fuck you know <laughs> like it's cuz it's 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 such a emotional um expression uh, point of release it's also i think important um in that it like i said connects people and like so not only is it like personally important but i feel like it has some impact i'd like to hope or think like you know that music does mm-hmm. um so, I mean, I think that's that we all kind of share that but also that we all like each other and can hang because that's the main thing. I mean, if you're in a band with people that you can't hang out with or express complicated things about how you want a song to be or like or say someone's annoying the fuck out of you, be able to like let that go because it's just, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just being able to get along, I think also has really helped because um that is a struggle, I think, and that we've been able to just make enjoying playing music together something a priority. Mm.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm sure being in a van with someone for 60 days is, you know, you have to at least kind of like that person. <laughs> so, yeah, it really helps along. if you
1: have similar interests and can get along and and take care of yourself. That's the main thing, knowing you need to just take a walk or, you know.
0: <laughs> um. But, yeah, Um. does Nature Boys have any, like, um, new releases that you're working on, or are you doing any tours this year you, you know of?
1: So we just didn't. We just, well, we're kind of just figuring this out. Um We're working on new stuff that's been, like, when you're touring a lot and playing shows a lot, at least for us, it's been really hard to, like, find the mental and physical time to write. And so sometimes we'll go on these hiatuses where we're, like, we're not booking shows, not booking for other like because we get hit up for booking other stuff all the time too it's like we're not doing anything we just need to write so we're like really trying this winter to write a bunch of stuff um and we're going to be taking we're going to go on tour this fall uh we're taking the this french band that we've toured with a lot over in france they took us on um the past the french part of our past two european tours they're like a uh, french surf rock band called the Kids. they're gonna come over at um i think early september and we're gonna r- drive them around the u.s and take them on a tour so that'll be nice. fun and we're hoping to have some stuff at least like maybe a fun demo tape um by then but shooting for another lp um the, next year mm.
0: so well, what parts of the country are you gonna hit with them
1: well, they want to do the whole thing, yep. so we're going to do the whole thing. <laughs> nice. Originally, we were like, uh, "Let's just do the East Coast; it'd be a lot easier." But you know, also for it's such a amazing. I mean, that they're going to be able to come over, and it's hard. It's hard for people to get to come to the U.S. to find money and do all that. So, like, it's a big deal for them to come. So we're like, "All right, we'll show you the whole damn thing," <laughs> but. There's a lot of work we have to do to get ready for it, but I think it'll be fun
0: Oh, it sounds like your're gracious
1: hosts they they took us all around France mm. two times, so you know and they're good friends so it'll be it'll be fun no matter what mm.
0: and I know you also do work with um, a couple bike organizations in Kansas City you do um, eight one six bike collective and bike walk kc I was hoping you could kind of explain what uh both of those groups do
1: yeah okay um so the 816 bicycle collective is a diy um recycle bicycle shop where we teach people how to fix their own bikes um and try to get more bikes out on the road um it's there's a lot of like models shops like that all around the country so We are trying to be a a place where people can come in a non-judgmental way and learn how to ride bikes, um, to see the environmental and social and um, emotional impacts that riding bikes can have. Um, So yeah, we've been doing that project for, I guess, about 10 years as well. Uh, So that's an all-volunteer-run organization. And Bike Walk KC is, I work there as a part-time educator, so... That organization's mission is a little bit different, but, you know, in the same vein of bicycle advocacy. But um, we go into, my job in particular, is I go into different elementary schools or mostly elementary schools and teach kids pedestrian and riding safety. And sometimes, lots of times, teaching just kids how to ride bikes because a lot of kids don't know how. So, and that's the best part because it's really fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, that's in a nutshell.
0: So you were... Or are you kind of like a founding member of the, of the 816. 816 yeah yeah,
1: yeah. cuz i was a part of a group when i i went to college in new mexico and um i was that's kind of where i started to work as a bike mechanic in shops and i've always like loved riding bikes and i met a group of people through my job there who wanted to start a community diy bike shop so um we started this group called chainbreaker which was great, but then I moved away. Sounds we're... like a
0: great hardcore band.
1: Chainbreaker? <laughs> yeah. it's, maybe it already exists. Um, yeah, so I moved, I moved back to Kansas City and was just working in bike shops as a mechanic, um, kind of figuring out what I was going to do. And some people came into the bike shop and were like, we want to start a community DIY bike project. And I was like, oh, I just was a part of that somewhere else. So we all started meeting and you know, so many years later, now we like have our own space and we're doing all these great things. And it's, it's been really cool to watch it all kind of come together. Mm-hmm.
0: No. Yeah. Cause I know eight one six is based on like 31st street over kind of by oddities. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for like the longest time there was like the mural with like the fundraiser goals and stuff. How did, how did that work?
1: Well, cause we, we bought a building, um, off the tax auction, uh, want to say like eight years ago and so we've been working at saving and rehabilitating that structure Mm. uh that space before that we had been at 31st and forest in this basement um that uh was starting to really deteriorate deteriorate over time um so now we still are i mean we're always fundraising we're an all volunteer run thing but now we're at least in our forever home and um are operating out of there two days a week nice
0: And uh, I guess, well, you you mentioned, like, you are just kind of passionate about getting more people on bicycles and everything. But, like, do do you kind of have, like, a personal, like, or, like, political philosophy when it comes to, like, advancing bicycling?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think in general, well, I think bicycling does a lot of things like I said it's good for you think about the first time you ever rode a bike you know in the sense of freedom and like expression that you get from that like so there's that and I still feel that like every time I ride my bike but then there's you get into how much we waste um money on gas and fossil fuels and you know there's the environmental impacts of bicycling that I feel like if we walked and bike more it would be a lot better for the environment um and then there's the from the advocacy side of what 816 is coming from, I feel like p- if people know how to fix their own bike and are empowered in that way, um, you get so many more tools in your toolbox of how to deal with other problems. But also, yeah, it's just a tool of... Em- it's a method of empowerment that I think um, is good. Uh, so, yeah, it's something I'm very passionate about. But I think the environmental aspects of it are huge. Um, and then, of course, there's the health. and mm.
0: Oh, yeah, and I know, like, I, I, I think I have a friend who had been, uh, at least used to be kind of part of the Bike Collective, and she she was just very also excited about, like, how much it did kind of build community within the people who went there regularly, and it kind of was a cool, like, supplement to, like, Kansas City's punk scene and, like, kind of activist communities, so.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I I kind of... I'd like to see more of that within the punk scene, just mm. that community activist side of it. Um, I mean, also you think about the way you interact with your community when you're walking or biking as opposed to when you're in a car. You know, mm. there's you have different social interactions. So yeah. I think that's another benefit. Also, you know, having a car is really expensive. There's an economic um, disparity there, you know, where, like, that's not everyone can afford that and a bicycle is a way where people can still access things in in their community and have the ability to go to work or you know do things that they need to do so there's a lot of community building things Mm. i think that the bicycle can be this tool for
0: oh yeah and you mentioned like that it does help you kind of interact with your community in a different way just when you're like out on a bike or walking and i i just instantly comes to mind is uh me driving over here and yelling at people on the highway. And I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't do that if I was on a bike. I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but when I'm riding my bike and I see this another person on a bike, I'm like, well, hey, what's up? Dude? <laughs> and lots of times, I mean, and it, that's what's cool. Lots of times you're like, oh, hey, so-and-so. Or like, mm. So there is like a community of um, riders that's yeah. that's cool.
0: Um, no, and I was actually just like personally curious because um, your sibling, Jess, is one of the organizers, like, main organizers for the KC ZineCon, and, like, did... So were did you, like, co-organize, like, any of the years, or were you that's just kind of... Okay. My,
1: so my, my older sister, Katie, mm-hmm. Hogan sister's doing <laughs> cool shit. Uh, my older sister, Katie, uh, has collaborated and done a lot of stuff with okay. Jess and is part of, like, the Zine Con organizing stuff. But, no, that's... Mm-hmm. That's her. She's been the yeah. She's been doing awesome shit with that, which I think is great. I mean, you think about just a group of people who are like, I like zines. Zines are this cool DIY DIY way to share information and ideas. And now you look at like ZineCon this many years later, and it's it's another example of like ways that we can have a really big impact. Yeah, right, shout out to uh, Jess and Katie.
0: Uh, I'll have to have like one of them on next time ZineCon rolls around. And you definitely should be do that. No, oh, yeah, because I I talked to Jess for yeah the pitch for the, I think a ZineCon like a year or two ago, but uh, yeah, gotta gotta get them in here.
1: I love my sisters.
0: Um, but yeah, so um, I guess I was curious how you first got started um, at KCUR. Art. You do like you co-host and. Do some production work.
1: I'm doing less hosting. I was doing some hosting of podcasts a while ago, but um, yeah. So, okay. I went to college um, for documentary studies and political science, and then i I was basically living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is a really expensive town, and was didn't was like homeless, didn't have a place to live. I couldn't afford to really live there, so I was like, well, I'll just move back to Kansas City. It's cheap, and I'll just work at this bike shop as a mechanic like I've been doing in summers and um, found a cheap place with some friends, and I was just working in bike shops, listening to KCUR. (laughs) And, I mean, I grew up on KCUR. Like, my parents listened. But, um, yeah, I was just kind of looking around for jobs, and I saw that this daily live talk show, you may not, I don't know if you, do you know who Walt Bodine is? He was, like, this legendary broadcast guy. Kind of familiar. Okay. He's since passed, but... Yeah. Um, he had a show
0: on, in case you want He had a
1: daily live talk show, um, and at the time, I mean, he's really old, and his health was um, declining, but um, he was blind and um, really hard of hearing, but still hosting the show like every day, and we would have another ho- co-host on to help him, but I listened to that show like every morning, and would engage with it, you know, like write emails or try to call in or whatever. But then they were hiring for a producer, and I was just like, oh, I'll apply. And interviewed, and then I got offered the job. So I was like, it was kind of like, what? You know, because I was just working as a bike mechanic, trying to figure out the next move, you know? Like I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe I'll do like documentary film stuff or go back to school. Like I didn't know what I was going to do.
0: So you didn't really have radio in mind when you were in school at least? Not necessarily, no
1: yeah i mean I've always loved radio now looking back it makes sense but like at the time i was think- i think i had thought I'd maybe go more down like the film documentary film road mm-hmm. but um yeah it's been it's been really cool I did the daily talk show grind um for two years and then um got trained in announcing and then i've i've just been i've been there since two thousand seven so so much has changed and i've i've just been around and learning things and learning as I go. And now I now I help out in a lot of different ways. But mm-hmm. um, it's been cool.
0: And you're on the, like, is it Central Standard sometimes? So
1: similar, same time slot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the Walt Bodine Show is long gone, but the, it was replaced by Central Standard, and now I help with that. So, like, I come up with possible ideas for segments. I research ideas, um, pre-interview people, edit, um, mix audio elements. I still do some stories. So, if, say if I have an idea for a story, I'll um, pitch it and get to do it if they want it. So, and then I oh yeah, and I fill in an announcing if like say someone's sick. So, I tell you like the time and temperature and what's coming up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, and you know, before we were recording, we were kind of talking about like the current like landscape of like radio and podcasts and internet media and stuff so i'm I'm sure you've had like a a pretty interesting like firsthand experience seeing that changed over the last decade
1: yeah it's been cool because if you think about it like i mean podcasts the term podcast or like the idea of it i mean it's just on demand radio so like i mean this american life is a podcast that just happens to be also broadcasted onto NPR, you mm-hmm. know, but they were one of the first ones to really push that out there as that on demand. You want to listen to this, from what I understand. Um but now it's like everybody has a damn podcast. It's like I almost wonder if there's like too many, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so there's so many and yeah, it's yeah, we
0: like should, we, maybe we should get rid
1: of this one. This is, I, don't, I don't
0: know. I if think it's, it's a you seem
1: to be if if you like that's the thing. If you like doing oh, it, man, having fun, yeah. if you like doing it, you should do it cuz it's like why not? And but I think like there's this whole culture around it now like I went to um this podcast producers convention 2 years ago called Third Coast which is like this have you heard of it? It's like this big time Well, not big time, whatever. But like you know, where people come together to share ideas, go to trainings, and I was just like blown away how many people there. There was like nine hundred people at this conference, Mm. and where did it happen? It was in Chicago. Chicago. And there's people's jobs now to just make podcasts for people who want to make a podcast but don't know how to do it. So they hired this podcast company yeah, like, to do it for you and ex- you're like
0: celebrity wants a podcast. yeah and
1: I was like, Whoa, this yeah. is such like next level shit that like I'm just trying to figure out how to like prepackage some talk show content or like come up with something that's that serves our local community, KCUR, in a way that's like different and engaging in a way that doesn't fit with talk shows or morning edition or all things considered. You know what I mean? Like mm. trying to think outside of the platforms or whatever, but I was just like, whoa, this is such a huge beast. So it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, I think there's a lot of room. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years Mm. as it is kind of like, there's so many, like, will people just stop doing it? Will some podcasts take it to the next level? Will some, I don't know.
0: Oh yeah. You're already seeing like some shows get like TV deals or like HBO specials and all that. So
1: yeah. Mm. It's like, what's, the next chapter Mm -hmm. but it's it's cool because i think when i started in radio everyone was all like oh radio's dying you know or at least like the medium and that's just proven to not be true like people still really do like to listen as like a way of you know what i mean people were like oh eventually no one's gonna want to listen to radio but what we're finding i think is people still want to listen but they just want to be able to do it when they can you know
0: um, and you also had a show through KCUR that you were doing called Question. Oh, quest. Oh, Question Quest. Yeah. Um, Rest, in Rest in peace.
1: No, it might come back. Hmm. I don't know. Oh yeah. We'll,
0: well, what went into getting that show started, and what what happened on some of those? Shows? Um,
1: I I just kind of had an idea for like because we have. We had um, a few stories that were just answering bas- basic questions, like kind of like a what is that type of thing that tend to be kind of crowd-pleasing type of stories. People really, especially locally, you know, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, yeah. yeah There's cool, like local explainers. Like. Local explainers, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is a person in New York care? No, but like it's it's really like serving, maybe if they lived in Kansas City, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of like trying to, appeal to local audiences in a way that's, like, fun and answers just kind of based, not basic questions, but answers some questions um, that takes you on a journey. Mm. So it was just an idea uh, to kind of make that process fun and to also, like, invite people into the reporting process. Like, you've done stories. Like, sometimes you don't know. Like, sometimes you have to call a lot of people and you get a lot of, you get turned into a lot of different directions. And then the question you're trying to find the answer to actually isn't that interesting, but this other question is, you know what I mean? So that was kind of the idea of it. It was really fun to -hmm. do, but also um, was really resource intensive. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just a lot of time. And like I said, maybe it'll come back, but I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think it was an episode or anything you had done, but like in in that vein, like I, I did, I was just thinking about, um the the workhouse castle, the down on Vine and I like I just I was kinda blurry on like some of the details of that and I googled it and like a KCUR article pops up like, Oh, what's what's that castle down on Vine? What's I'm like, that's what I wanna that? know. Yeah. So
1: So yeah. Oh yeah. Just kinda like like when you're just out in your community and you're like, Huh, what's what the fuck is going on <laughs> with that? And then you're like Oh, that's what's going on with it.
0: That could be a, an alternative name just, for the show. <laughs> what, what the fuck is going on with that? What the fuck is going on with that? <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that, that, Wait, not a bad idea.
0: <laughs> did, did, you, did you have, like, a favorite episode that you did in, like, the first film? Um,
1: I really liked the... I did one on this black angel, this angel statue in Iowa City, actually, because we were trying to make it be regional, too, so we did one um, in Iowa City. I really liked that one because I got to write some of the music... That ended up being in the podcast just because I decided that. So there's there's songs you can get for your podcast that are free, but then you have to you're not allowed to just use like any song. So were you putting the synth to use on that? I would no, just straight up piano. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. So um, that one is cool. I also liked. I actually that was
0: probably what, the what was the story behind the statue? Was the-
1: so there is a statue in this cemetery that's like it's huge and it's this dark angel, like, it's actually, like, black now. Like, it had once been a bronze sculpture, but it got turned black over time, and it just has this really menacing quality about it that has created, like, a lot of lore in Iowa City, and it's people, like, go and make wishes, or, like, if you touch it, you'll die, or if you kiss it, all this, like, dumb shit, but, you know, that people love to...
0: All these d- dumb Iowans, you know. Ukraine I love I house.
1: love local lore <laughs> stuff because it's it's fun. But then it turns out the actual story behind it is like this really kind of sad story of this woman who was really who lost her son, um, in a tragic way, and had come across some money. She had had a really hard life. Was an immigrant from somewhere in Eastern Europe. I can't remember where specifically, but you know this this whole story of this immigrant a woman who's had this hard life and, like, was becoming this self-made woman, had this tragedy, and and to try to honor her son got this statue, but... um, And then it turned black, which they think could have been because of, like, the amount of coal that was being burnt for heat. Also, this thing called... I'm sorry, this might be, like, so boring to you. The patina, which is, like, when... Bra- or bronze wears down over time. It can change. Sometimes it turns kind of green or brown. It mm-hmm. can turn different colors. So like something that's bronze will change colors yeah. over time. But anyways, it just became this excuse for a lot of people in the community to kinda like like put this dark shadow on her and pass all this judgment about her being like a witch and like not like a witch, because but like uh having dark I don't know, Hmm. unfair claims. Um, So it's, I liked doing that story because it was just like this, one of those things that's like, you can understand a lot of different sides sides of it and you're like, oh, now I know something about some weird angel Mm. (laughs) in Iowa City.
0: Yeah, and so I know you've also got, you, you know, you occasionally get to do like music stories for KCUR. I know you've done... Like, a, a brief piece on uh, Heidi Klug. Oh, yeah. And, like, um, right. one on Johnny Stark's, like, short film, like, with the record digging.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, yeah. Do, do you have any, like, favorite kind of music pieces you've gotten to do there over the years?
1: Um, favorite music pieces? I don't. You know, actually... This might sound weird. I don't necessarily like doing the music pieces that much because mm. I feel weird about I I don't mind doing them, it's fine, but it's always like this weird because I'm a musician as well. Sometimes, like One thing you want to break from it sometimes, or or um, I don't know. I just sometimes feel like I don't know. I those aren't the ones I'm most excited about. I really like doing the stories about like local history or like um. Like profile type things about lesser known people. Mm. But yeah, I don't think the music ones are the ones I'm like, those are kind of like the ones I just get assigned and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. You know, mm. I'm not like, ah, I'm like really, in, you know, <laughs> no, not the passionate stuff mm. necessarily.
0: Right. Do you have any case you are projects like coming up that you're excited about or is it all kind of just one by one? She show up and do
1: there it. is potentially in the works a another podcast idea that I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it or not, but um, I know we are gonna try to be doing some community history storytelling in the coming year that i'm get- I'm gonna get to be a part of, which I'm really excited about because I think there's kind of been a lack of that in recent years, or a lot of our old timers who were like really good at sources for that have are are getting older or have passed. And so it's like, and and young people I think still really are curious about that stuff. And Mm. so that's pretty much it. Other than that, just helping out with central standard. Do you
0: have anything else you would like to uh, plug or tell people to look out for any any bike stuff that's coming up?
1: It's winter. It's kind of like our downtime. I mean, get a bike, ride your bike um if you don't have a bike come to the 816 bicycle collective
0: they're open like fridays and oh no thursdays
1: three to six saturdays noon to five um really trying if you have a bike you can fix it trying to encourage people to try to fix what they have um because yeah it's this throwaway culture man you know you just they make and they're not making bikes like they used to. So a lot of these old bikes, if you just put a little love into them, they can ride and be great. Um, no, I have nothing. I'm going to plug. Uh, what about you?
0: Well, yeah, I got a few things.
1: Oh, okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> is that why you asked me? No, yeah, I mean, no. you know,
0: mutual <laughs> plugs. Yeah. Um, you can follow at ShuttlecockMag Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, we have the new. A uh, year three photozine that's now available on the web store. That's Um We have a show booked coming up on March 23rd at Farewell Transmission with Ashtray from Chicago. Some hardcore punk stuff. Um, and that's with uh, Prude and No Scope opening. And... Uh Yeah, make sure you subscribe and tell all your friends to listen to the Shuttlecock podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And yeah, thanks for being on the show today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.